Ladies and gentlemen, the 34th recipient of the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award, Sean Connery. on a bit. <clears throat> I had no idea that this was such a big deal. <laughs> when Howard, that's Mr. Stringer, called me and said, the AFI has chosen you for this award. Well, I, I just had no idea. And then I was given a list of the people who'd received this fantastic honor. And I began to get a bit nervous, but not as nervous as I am at this moment. <laughs> I mean it sincerely. You know, the Academy Awards is something else because you can hide. There are winners and losers and other people to blame. <laughs> but the AFI, <laughs> you're on your own. <laughs> and, well, I'm here and I'm very happy you're here too. And I thank you for bringing my family and friends together for tonight. My family, Micheline, my beautiful wife, some of our children, you. Thank you. You are on your own life achievement. I'm more than pleased that you like my work. I have to admit, that it looked pretty damn good from where I was sitting. <laughs> uh, and it brought back to me lots of terrific memories. Memories of working with people who are fun and industrious, and talented and enthusiastic. These are all the qualities that I find admirable. The rest of you, well, you know who you are. 
You know, <laughs> making movies is either a utopia or it's like shoveling shit uphill. <laughs> and tonight, I suppose we put down our shovels and remember the good times and well, I've had many. My start, my childhood, was less than auspicious. But when I was young, we didn't know we lacked anything because we had nothing to compare it to. And there's a freedom in that. I had a very hard-working mother and father. I think of them both a great deal. I got my break, big break, when I was five years old. And it's taken me more than 70 years to realize it. You see, at five, I learned to read. It's that simple. And it's that profound. I left school at 13. I didn't have a formal education. And I believe I would not be standing here tonight without the books, the plays, and the scripts. It's been a long journey from Fountain Bridge to this evening with you all. Though my feet are tired, my heart is not. A few months ago, I was in London. I was having a great lunch with my very first agent. He's older than me. <laughs> Suddenly he said to me, Sean, life is good. But isn't the third act shit? <laughs> I, I suppose he has a point. But not tonight. I thank you all for my family, friends, for one hell of an evening. Good night. Hey guys, it's Jimbo here. Um, it's been a very sombering day uh, with learning the passing of truly a legendary actor, uh, Sean Connery. Um, he was one of my favorite actors. Um, he was James Bond. Uh, he was Draco the Dragon. Um, and he played several other films. And he had that look. He had that voice. He just looked like a distinguished gentleman. So I thought, man, what better way to honor a man then uh, do a little biography on his life, um, show some of his character, uh, some of his quotes, uh, just a little information about his life, because um, far too often uh, a lot of people are forgotten. And uh, this is the first time that uh, this podcast has actually did a whole episode, um, at least that I can remember, on an actual um, actor or actress. Um, but I think Mr. Sean, uh, Sir Sean Connery uh, is deserving to be the first. So um, with that being said, we're getting ready to start. Um, I have titled this Remembering Sean Connery. 
Uh, Mr. Connery was born August 25th, 1930 in Edinburgh, Scotland in the United Kingdom. Sadly, he died Halloween, October 31st, 2020 in Nassau, the Bahamas, following a long illness. His birth name, Thomas Sean Connery. His nickname was Big Tam. Uh, he stood a towering six foot two. And his estimated worth was $120 million. Sean Connery is best known for being the original actor to portray the character of James Bond. He starred in seven of those films between 1962 and 1983. Uh, his greatest claim in 1988 was when Sean Connery won the Academy Award for the Best Supporting Actor for his role as an Irish cop in The Untouchables in 1987. Connery has been pulled as the greatest living Scot and Scotland's greatest living national treasure. In 1989, he was proclaimed the sexiest man alive by People magazine. And in 1999, at the age of 69, he was voted sexiest man of the century. Uh, Connery was born, like I said, on August 25th in 1930 in Fountain Bridge, Edinburgh. His mother... Euphemia C. McLean was a cleaning lady, and his father, Joseph Connery, was a factory worker and a truck driver. Um, he also had a brother named Neil. Uh, but before going to, into acting, Sean had many different jobs, such as he was a milkman, he was a lorry driver, a laborer, an artist model for the Edinburgh College of Art, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, he was a coffin polisher. And this one really struck me. He was a bodybuilder. Um, he also left school at the age of 13. He joined the Royal Navy, I believe at the age of 16, I read. Uh, but he was later discharged because of some medical problems. At the age of 23, he had a choice between becoming a professional footballer or an actor. And even though he showed much promise in the sport, he chose acting and said it was one of his more intelligent moves. No Road Back in 1957 was Sean's first major movie role. And then he also had several made-for-TV movies such as Anna Christie, Macbeth, Anna Karina. Um, but he also starred in several other films. And one of my favorites growing up was Darby O'Gill and the Little People. If you haven't seen that, and this is from 1959, it is a great movie. His big breakthrough came in 1962 when he landed the role of secret agent James Bond in Dr. No. He starred in six more films of the James Bond, uh, From Russia with Love in 1963, which was actually his personal favorite out of all the Bond movies, Goldfinger in 1964, Thunderball in 1965, You Only Live Twice in 1967, Diamonds Are Forever in 1971, and Never Say Never Again in 1983. Um, some of his other films uh, included Alfred Hitchcock's Marnie in 1964, The Hill in 1965, Murder on the Orient Express uh, in 1974, The Man Who Would Be King in 1975, The Wind and the Lion in 1975, Time Bandits in 1981, Highlander in 1986, The Name of the Rose in 1986 as well. 
Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, what a great movie. That was one of the first VHS cassettes I had when we bought our VCR. That was the very first one. Uh, that was in 1989. Uh, the Hunt for the Red October in 1990. Rising Sun in 1993. The Rock in 1996. Finding Forrester in 2000. And The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2003. He also did the voice of Draco the Dragon in Dragonheart, which is a personal favorite of mine. So if you haven't seen that, it's a great fantasy movie. Some of his trademarks, he had a powerful, deep Scottish voice, or voice with a Scottish accent. Um, he frequently plays tough, cunning heroes, such as James Bond. Um, later on in his career, he also played mentors, uh, or sorry, mentors uh, to younger people. Uh, his Obviously, his looks, his thick, dark eyebrows with his gray beard and his mustache. And yes, he pronounces his S's as shh. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk about some facts about him. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the awards he's won, uh, some where he ranks in like the greatest actors of all time, and just some little information about his life and some other movies that he may or may not have turned down and why. Um, he was offered the role of Robert Elliott by Brian De Palma in Dress to Kill in 1980 and was enthusiastic about it but declined on account of previously acquired commitments. In October of 1997, he was ranked number 14 in Empire in the UK uh, magazine, the top 100 movie stars of all time. In 1953, he entered the Mr. Universe contest and he finished third in the tall man's division. He wore a toupee in his Bond movies from Goldfinger in 1964 and on um, because he started losing his hair at the young age of 17 he has two small tattoos on his right arm. One says Scotland forever and the other mum and dad. He got them when he enlisted in the Royal Navy at the age of 16. Sean also took dancing lessons for 11 years. He had radiation therapy for an undisclosed throat ailment in 1993. Um, Connery said that the treatment he had uh, been given was to remove benign, tum uh, benign tumors from his vocal cords after he found himself losing his voice while filming Rising Sun in 1993. How cool is this? He donated his entire salary from Robin and Prince of Thieves, which we'll get to the total at the end. I wrote down some of the totals of his movie, uh, his, his, um, what he got paid. Uh, but from uh, Prince of Thieves, all of it went to charity. Um, he said in an interview that during the filming of Never Say Never Again in 1983, he was taking martial art lessons and in the process angered the instructor who in turn broke his wrist. Connery stayed with the wrist broken for a number of years thinking it was only a minor pain. This guy was walking around with a broken wrist for several years. Oh yeah, and by the way, the instructor was none other than Steven Seagal. Uh, he is the recipient of the uh, 22nd Annual Kennedy uh, Center Honors for Lifetime Contribution to Arts and Culture, presented by President Bill Clinton in Washington, D.C. on December 5th, 1999. Uh, he used to live in Marbella, Spain, near a golf course where they say he would play daily when he wasn't filming. He also has his own film production company, Fountain Bridge Films. He was made a Knight Bachelor in the 2000 Queen Millennium Honors list for his services to film drama. He was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II in an hour-long investiture ceremony at Edinburgh's Holyrood um, uh, Palace in Scotland on July 5th, 2000, accompanied by his wife, uh, Michelin, and brother, Neil, were by his side. Um, 
the reason he had to leave the Navy is because uh, he had stomach ulcers, so they forced him out. Um, but after his service from the Navy, uh, <laughs> he worked as a nude model for Edinburgh art students. So uh, how interesting would that be? Uh, he was paid a huge sum to return as James Bond for Diamonds Are Forever in 1971, setting a record. It was all donated to his Scottish charity. This man just kept giving money away to charities. He caused, and this is one thing that we'll talk about that I don't agree with, but he, this is what he said in an interview with Barbara Walters in December of 1987, and he caused quite a stir. He said it was okay to hit a woman if she deserved it or needed it to keep her in line. He said a similar thing in November 1965 interview interview with Playboy magazine. Sean, I'm sorry, but it's never okay to hit a woman. So um, that's just one. That's the only small mark I'm going to say about that. Um, this one is the one that I think is the craziest. He turned down the role of Gandalf in the whole Lord of the Rings series. He said number one because he didn't want to film down in New Zealand for 18 months, and number two. He just couldn't understand the novels. He didn't get it. The decision not to appear in this trilogy cost the actor an estimated $450 million. Sorry, Sean. I think you probably should have went with that one, even if you didn't understand it. Because later on, he went and said, uh, I turned, I watched an interview. He said, I turned down Lord of the Rings because I didn't understand it. And they came with me with this League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's like, I didn't understand it either. He's like, but after the success of Lord of the Rings, he's like, I decided to take that one. I think you chose poorly, as you would have said in the Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Uh, he declared in March 2003 that he would not return home until Scotland is an independent country. He believes that this still can happen during his lifetime. Uh, he has played four kings in the movies. Uh, king Daniel Javat in The Man Who Would Be King in 1975. King Agamemnon in Time Bandits in 1981. King Richard in Robin and Prince of Thieves in 1991. And King Arthur in first night in 1995 um, according to a poll conducted by the british film magazine empire he created the worst accent in the history of cinema in the movie the untouchables in 1987 but yet that is the one that he won his academy award for for supporting actor uh, he turned down the role of the architect in the matrix reloaded in 2003 and the matrix revolutions in 2003 he was voted the 24th greatest movie star of all time by Entertainment Weekly. He was voted best British actor of all time in a poll for Sky TV in February of 2005. Um, he also had his fair share of surgeries and, and issues. He had cataracts removed from both of his eyes in 2003. Um, he turned down the title role in the original Thomas Crown Affair in 1968, which he later admitted was a huge mistake on his part. He was the original choice to play Cybok in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, in 1989, but he was busy with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in 1989. <laughs> this is hilarious. He was once stopped uh, for speeding by an officer named Sergeant James Bond. His accent was the model for the voice of Stratos in the 2002 remake of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Um, he also underwent surgery at a New York hospital to remove a tumor from his kidney in January of 2006. Um, he was delighted to be honored with the American Film Institute Lifetime Achievement Award, which he will re uh, which was received on June 8, 2006 in Los Angeles. 
Um, and he was honored despite uh, his reputation as a harsh critic of the movie industry. Um, when we get to some of the quotes, you'll see some of the stuff he said. Um, it, he said, it means a tremendous amount, especially because of some of the things I have said about Hollywood. He announced his retirement in an interview in New York City during the uh, Tartan Week 2006 celebrations. He said, I have retired for good. He started smoking when he was only nine years old. His performance as James Bond in the 007 films is ranked number five on Premier Magazine's 100 Greatest Movie Characters of All Time. Of his career choices uh, in the 90s, pretty much, you know, the last 10 years that he filmed, uh, he said that The Rock and Entrapment, uh, one, The Rock 96 and Entrapment in 1999 are the films that he liked the most. He also said that The Avengers in 1998 was a film he regretted doing it at all. Uh, this was interesting too. He turned down the role of John Hammond in Jurassic Park. And also, uh, Harrison Ford was offered the role of Dr. Alan Grant, so they would have been um, reunited right there to work together. Uh, here you go, all you Die Hard fans. He also turned down the role of Simon Gruber in Die Hard with a Vengeance uh, due to the diabolical nature of the character. Um, but the... Uh, the director, uh, John McTiernan, said he was the very first choice for that role. He presented, um, he was presented with the American Film Lifetime Achievement Award by Indiana Jones and Last Crusade Harrison Ford. And he told him, you know, John uh, Harrison Ford said about uh, Sean Connery, John Wayne gave us the Old West. James Stewart gave us our town. You gave us the world. Uh, he was never in a skiing James Bond picture. In December 2002, he was voted the male celebrity with the sexiest voice in a survey carried out by a mobile phone company. Uh, he turned down Patrick McGoohan's role as King Edward I in Braveheart in 1995 because he was filming Just Cause. Um, with the death of Kieran Moore on July 15, 2007, he was the last surviving cast member of Darby O'Gill and the Little People from 1959. Sean Connery was almost killed filming the helicopter chase scene in From Russia With Love in 1963 when the inexperienced helicopter pilot flew in too close and almost decapitated him. He was also offered the role of Professor Waldman in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in 1994, but he also turned it down because, um, I guess he just didn't like the role. I mean, this guy was very particular about what roles he would take and what roles he didn't take. In Italy, fans call him Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because of James Bond. This is this is interesting, too. He was offered the role of Dr. Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs in 1991, but he also turned it down because he thought it was too violent. So this man had a code of he didn't want to be too violent. Uh, also, the role of Mufasa in The Lion King was written with him in mind. I mean, this guy, just he just has that voice. Yeah, he improvised his iconic line, Bond. James Bond and Dr. No in 1962 after finding the initial introduction line, I am James Bond was just flat and sounded too unnatural. Um, it took several takes before he included the pause. So, uh, it gave it that dramatic effect. He once went to the Paramount executive, uh, commission, uh, com commissary, uh, which was filled with A-list celebrities and executives. When he walked into the room, the room fell silent to which he simply quipped, Oh, eat your lunch. So here's some personal quotes that I found. Uh, some of them are very interesting. More than anything else, I'd like to be an old man with a good face like Alfred Hitchcock or Pablo Picasso. 
I've honestly not been too aware of my age until I went to the doctor for a full checkup. He said I had the heart of a young man, but you're not young, you're 40. And this one right here, how about this one? He said, some age, others mature. Wow, what a strong, strong quote. Um, on turning down the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, I had never read Tolkien's, uh, any of Tolkien, and I didn't understand the script when they sent it to me. Bobbits? Hobbits? So he, did, he really didn't get it. I've never kept a record of anything. I gave away everything. All the posters, the memorabilia that would have been helpful, and financially rewarding. On whether he would ever escape being identified as James Bond, he said, It's with me till I go in the box. He also said... I'm fed up with idiots, the ever-widening gap between people who know how to make movies and those who greenlight them. I didn't. I don't say they're all idiots. I'm just saying there's a lot of them. It would uh, almost need a mafia-like offer I couldn't refuse to do another movie. On League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2003, it was a nightmare. The director should never have been given $185 million. I have retired for good. It's been a bit rough since Christmas, but I'm perfectly okay and I feel well. In fact, I'm working on a history book. Uh, During his speech after receiving the AFI Lifetime Achievement Award, though my feet are tired, my heart is not. Uh, Here's another thing he said about turning down uh, Gandalf and Lord of the Rings. Uh, Yeah, well, I never understood it. I read the book. I read the script. I saw the movie. I still don't understand it. So I guess from his previous thing, maybe he went back and he tried to read the book about Gandalf and then he turned it down. He also said, I never trashed a hotel room or did drugs. I understand if you get caught in a fight, but to take it out on a room that implies some psychiatric disorder. The way I was brought up made me think about the person who has to clean up afterwards. He also said, a silent gesture can convey more in a flash than a minute of spoken dialogue. Unlike most actors who resist directors cutting their lines, I have spent my whole career filleting mine. There are few directors who have not seen my cuts as improvements. Steven Spielberg paid me the ultimate compliment on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade by adopting nine out of my ten ideas that traded dialogue for added visual interaction. Perhaps I'm not a good actor, but I would be even worse at doing something else. (laughs) Um, show me a man who is content and I'll show you a lobotomy scar on receiving his knighthood from the queen. It was one of the greatest days of my life. So here's the salary, uh, for 20 movies that I found. So are you ready? Dr. No in 1962, $20,000 plus $105,000 bonus share of the profits. Uh, so 125,000 total salary for Dr. No. From Russia with Love in 1963, he was paid $250,000. Marnie in 1964, he was paid $400,000. Goldfinger in 1964, $500,000 plus 5% of the U.S. gross. So he ended up with a $3,050,000 total salary. Thunderball in 1965, $600,000 plus 25% of the worldwide merchandising profits. So $750,000 in total salary there. Uh, You Only Live Twice in 1967, $750,000 plus 25% of the worldwide merchandise profits, so uh, $1 million total salary. Shalako in 1968, 
Uh, he got one million plus a percentage of the profits. Uh, Diamonds are forever in 1971. He mispaid 1.25 million plus a 12.5 percent of the U.S. gross. So for this, he totaled six million seven hundred twenty-five thousand. Zardoz in 1974, he made two hundred thousand dollars. Never say never again in 1983, uh, five million plus five percent of the net U.S. profit. So he made six million. $410,000. The Hunt for the Red October in 1990, $4 million. Highlander 2, The Quickening, $3.5 million. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, uh, $1.9 million. And remember, he donated that whole entire salary, as he did with several of these. Uh, Medicine Man in 1992, $10 million. First Night in 1995, $9 million. The Rock in 1996, $12 million. Playing by Heart in 1998, uh, $60,000. Uh, that might be $60 million. I'll have to uh, double-check that. Uh, Entrapment in 1999, $20 million. Uh, Finding Forrester in 2000, $15 million. And The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 2003, $17 million. Um, so there you have it. There you had it. I just want to uh, take a little time and, and let everybody know what kind of actor he was. So... Mr. Connery, thank you, Mr. Bond, Draco the Dragon, and all the other characters that you brought to life in the form of movies. Thank you for everything you did. Uh, Sir Sean Connery, you truly were a legendary actor, and you definitely are a tragedy of cinema. I'm going to end um, this episode not by doing our usual montage. I'm going to leave you with uh, Sean Connery himself uh, giving his speech when he won his Academy Award. So stay tuned for that. Sean Connery in the Inception. Good evening. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, friends, and a few enemies. Uh, I don't think there's anyone aware, or unaware rather, in Hollywood or the rest of the world tonight that this is the 60th anniversary of these Academy Awards. And I just realized myself the other day that it, my first one and only attendance was 30 years ago. Uh, patience truly is a virtue. Um, but it, uh, in winning this award, it creates a certain dilemma because I had decided, if I'd had the good fortune to win, that I would give it to my wife, who deserves it. But this evening I discovered backstage that they're worth $15,000. And... Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only kidding. It's yours. But if uh, such a thing as a wish accompanied this award, mine would be that we ended the writer's strike. And I thank you all sincerely. <laughs> <laughs>